Hey, uh, we are in this series called Jesus the Christ, and uh, if you didn't know, Christ is not a last name, uh, it is a title, I think I've said that every single week, it is not just a, uh, an interesting last name, it is a title, it's a position, it is what Jesus was to do, Jesus was anointed, he was set apart to save. And so when we talk about Jesus Christ, when we talk about the name, we are not just talking about a good name, we are talking about someone who was called, sent, given, anointed to do something that no one else could do. And as we've jumped into Colossians, we've kind of been in this place where uh, we've been answering two questions. In the end of Matthew, Jesus asked his disciples, he says, who do the people say that I am? Do you guys, anybody you guys know that part? He goes, who do people say that I am? They answer with a couple different names of prophets and some important people, all really good people, none of them uh, bad names or bad words. They were all good things, uh, but none of them were actually everything God was, everything Jesus was. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And he's talking to his disciples, and it's important for them, people who are going to carry his message, for them to know who he was. So Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And they, Peter jumped in and says, you're the son of the living God. You are Jesus the Christ. And it's important in a culture where Jesus might be looked at as a good man and as a good thing for us to understand that he is so much more than that. Amen? And so he jumps in, Paul jumps into Colossians, and he begins to talk about who Jesus is. And he's writing to a group of people who maybe are a little bit confused, not in the sense that they heard the message and they didn't get it. They got it. In fact, many people were deciding to follow Jesus, and they're saying, I'm going to give my life for Christ, and I'm going to walk this way. And then something begins to shift because there were people in that city who had some ideas about who Jesus was or what religion looked like or the certain things you're supposed to do, certain festivals you're supposed to attend, certain traditions you're supposed to upkeep. And, and so they're beginning to uh, work those things into this message that these people had received about who Jesus was. And so these, these people who had received Christ are now beginning to do things that maybe Paul never intended for them to do. They've got a bit of a hybrid going of following Jesus in relationship and following Jesus through religion. And you're starting to see this, this group of people a bit confused as to what they're supposed to do. And so Paul's writing to this group of people in the book of Colossians, trying to establish, or more so trying to confirm what he'd already spoken about who Jesus was. In fact, there's one line, one of my favorite lines in all of Colossians where he says this. He says, what you received about Christ, run with that. Don't run with anything else. Don't tend to add things to your life. In fact, in Hebrews, he says it a bit of a different way. He says, take off all the stuff that so easily entangles you and weighs you down and run this race, keeping your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. See, I tend to think that we are... Religious in the sense that we receive Christ and then we add a bunch of things to that. And what Paul's actually trying to do is the exact opposite. He's trying to point you to Jesus so you'd get rid of all of that. It's just easier to add those things because they're easier to measure. They're easier to kind of measure up against other people and compare to other people. Where you, have you read your 365 days of Bible this year? Have you, have you been to church every single weekend? Did you sit closer to the front because that is more spiritual? Did you, like, what are you doing that is measuring up to? And Paul's going, no, 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 no. None of those things actually matter. Those should be a result. But those will not ever qualify you. 
So get rid of all those things until you've really established who Jesus is. And in establishing who Jesus is, you will have an expression that looks like everything Paul wants for you and everything Christ created for you. Amen. I know it's rainy. Come on now. You with me this morning? And so that's who Paul's writing to. And we've been walking through this series for several weeks. I think next week will be our last week. We'll see how it goes. But I want to read a few verses this week. And, and uh, last week we ended in verse 11 of Colossians 3. We're going to read it again just to make sure we're clear. Uh, that, that we are, uh, we, who we are, what makes us different is, not what is more important than what makes us united. What makes us unique is not more important than what makes us united. And I loved it because it was 90 degrees outside. My illustration was about snow. And uh, especially for those of us in Texas, we, we, we have a difficult time really understanding what that looks like. And when we get one little snowflake coming out of the sky, we run to the window and wake everyone up and we scream at the top of our lungs, it's snowing. I don't roll out of bed anymore because I know by the time I get to the window, it will all be gone, right? <laughs> but we, we talked about this idea that for a snowflake to become snowfall, those things have to come together. And one of the greatest tools of the enemy is to bring pe take people apart, to divide people. It's actually unity. In fact, everything Paul does, outside of pointing you to Jesus, the following thing is that he would connect you to people. And so he has this incredible statement in Colossians 3.11 that says, none of those things matter. Jew, Greek, none of those things matter. And Jews and Greeks hated each other. We talked last week that Jews would walk out of a Greek home uh, or a Gentile home and like brush off his feet. Like I just want you to think about if a friend walked out of your house and like, did one of these things, you know, like brushed off, you should like, wow, I can't believe I just sat in that for a while. They did not like each other. And Paul says, none of those things matter. The only thing that matters is Jesus, because he is all and in all. And so we might be different in our giftings, but we are not different in our value. It is important for us to understand that, that you value as much as I do, and that in Christ, we come together, we're different in our giftings, but we focus on the fact that we're connected to the head, who is Jesus, so that the body can work. And so that we're not just a snowflake, really cute and nice and different, but that we come together and become a snowfall and actually cause change and make a difference. Amen? And so we're going to start in Colossians 3.11, and then we're going to keep reading because I think we've got a lot to cover today. Colossians 3.11 in Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12, therefore, okay, now remember, therefore, and I love this phrase, if you see a therefore, you need to look and see what it's there for. Isn't that great? Sometimes corny things really help you out. And uh, so you got to go back. So what is he say? He's talking about unity, and he's talking about Christ is what mattered, and he's talking about the supremacy of Christ and the bigness of Christ, and you've been raised to new life in Christ, so quit doing these other things. But remember, you have to locate yourself in Christ before you worry about doing the things he's asked you to do. And so he's talking about all these things, and therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on. Everybody say put on. Put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, there's some words I just wish the Bible would not include. Because I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. He just turned two, and it is clear. In fact, he was a little early on the terrible twos. You know what? I have to tell you. I have to confess. This is church. 
I, I pulled my kid's arm out of socket yesterday. Yeah. He'll be okay. It'll, they said it'll go back. No, I'm just joking. I went to the doctor and fixed it and all that stuff. But I was putting on a, a floaty, so I was trying to protect his life. And in the process, hurt him. But we're good. We had a talk. We're all good. Put on heartfelt compassion, patience, verse 13, accepting one another and forgiving one another. Listen to that one. Don't laugh so much. You, forget. you missed that one. Accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a, pla- a complaint against one another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you. See, this is a, these are the things that you kind of go, please leave that out. I only want to go so far as John has forgiven me, not Jesus, because Jesus went so far as to kill himself, get, like to be, die so that I would be forgiven. Like, that's the kind of forgiveness we should have towards other people. Just saying, that's hard. Okay. Uh, Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, put on. Ever say put on. Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of the Messiah, to which you were also called in one body, control your hearts. Be thankful. Let. Everybody say let. You're getting a theme here. Put on, put on, let, let, let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom and singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whatever you do, say that one more time, and whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray because there's a lot to do. Lord, I thank you so much that your word is living and active. And there are people who've walked in today, including myself, who need to hear your word, who need to hear it and walk in it. And I believe there are people in here who you have you have something for, that you want to speak to their hearts. And so I pray, the Holy Spirit, you would open us up, that you would, that our ears would hear, that our eyes would see, that our heart would be filled, and that we would walk out of this place ready to take Jesus to every street and to every heart because we're living in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 I don't know if you guys have, anybody ever stayed in an Airbnb? Anyone done the Airbnb? Isn't the first Airbnb experience a little weird like, it's one thing to go to a hotel where they're supposed to let you in. It's a whole other thing that someone has decided that you've never met, that you do not know, which is also kind of creepy because they have a key to the house you were staying in, right? Uh, and you walk in, and it's like somebody else's house, and it's their couch, and, and, and in some cases, their food, or they've gotten you better, good food, which is like, or they've gotten you more food, and that, that, those are the real Airbnb, the super hosts. They're fantastic, Right? And you're driving into other neighborhoods, and you're seeing neighbors, and you're waving at them like you belong there, right? And, and you're just like, this is okay, this is cool. And you walk, it's just a weird experience. Now let me ask you this, have you ever gotten a bad review on an Airbnb? Like, have you ever stayed at an Airbnb, and, and the person who let you stay in their house reviewed you? Because you do this on an Airbnb. And then they say things like, they really didn't take care of our stuff. Has anyone ever gotten one of those? What's up, y'all? Because uh, I have, in fact, Pastors Brandon and Meredith and Pastor Scott and Rebecca Tresky of C3 Fort Worth have officially gotten 
a bad review on Airbnb. I don't know what happened. I really don't. I mean, if you've seen the place, I don't know how we could have messed it up. And uh, maybe they were just trying to cover for the fact that they didn't take care of it before we walked in. I'm still working on that forgive one another like Christ has forgiven you. And I, I man, I'm telling you, it's it, like we, we didn't do anything. But there's something about going into an Airbnb that when you're only going to be there for three days or five days, or maybe you got a little bit of a longer trip, and, uh, and, and you're in someone else's house, and they want you to feel at home, but they don't really want you to feel at home. Right? Has anyone said that? Have anyone ever said, hey, come on in, man. Hey, make yourself at home. Not like totally, just like if, they, if you said to someone, hey, make yourself at home, and they went straight to the cabinet and started taking food out of the pantry, what would you would be like? Yeah, no, that's totally cool. Or like when they sit in your spot on the couch where you watch TV, anybody know what I'm talking about? And you come around the corner and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. I'm going to sit over here, but this is a terrible angle, and my neck's going to hurt and be sore. But no, you, you should just make yourself at home, you friend, and uh, I love you. And they've got your favorite bowl of cereal, and it was the last part of the box, and they took the prize at the bottom, because you know you still buy kids cereal. You get the little prize at the bottom, you're like, you're going, what the heck is going on? There's only so far, and here's the thing, we're in this verse where it says, let, let, everybody say let. It's like the gospel equivalent of the trust fall, right? You have to trust God enough. I thought about illustrating that and having a few people come up here and doing a trust fall, but I felt like there was just the opportunity for something to go wrong. And we've got a couple guys in our church who think it's funny to pull pranks on you, and I just could imagine Kyle or John dropping me on purpose. And so I decided against it. That's wisdom, discernment, Holy Spirit, right? And, uh, and, and I, uh, I, I, I don't know about you, but there's, there's like the, have you ever done a trust fall, anybody? And this is kind of one of those. Like, put on and let God do what he wants to do in your life. Trust him enough to let him move in because this word dwell is not like, it's not an Airbnb word. It isn't, it isn't like come in for six months. This is a six-month agreement. At the end of six months, we will have a conversation and we will decide whether or not you get your deposit back. That is not what this is. This word dwell, in fact, it's why it's followed up by another word that says richly because this idea of dwell is honestly it is to make yourself at home so let the message of the messiah now some people would translate that message of the messiah as message uh from the messiah or the the messiah's message so in other words the words or the things that he spoke and i think that's partially true but the reality of the message of the gospel is a person and that is jesus and so when you read this, what you're saying is the Messiah is the message, and the message is the Messiah. Jesus is the message we preach. That's why you see Paul say this in Colossians. It was him we preach. It was not the ideas. It was not the philosophies. It was not just those things. It was him we preach. And if you get him, you get all the other, other stuff. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek Jesus, because he is the author and perfecter of your faith. Right? So we don't become like him because of ourselves. We become like him because of him. And so if you don't get the because right, you will get the become wrong. So many people try to become somebody in Christ without getting in Christ. We forget the cause. And so we lose the effect and we get frustrated when the effect isn't happening. Why don't I have patience? Well, because you've forgotten Jesus. 
Like, he's the one that gives it to you. All of this is spirit-born, spirit-empowered. It is, it is God that's working these things in you. This idea dwells to, to make yourself at home, to trust him enough to give him the keys to the house. It is so fully and completely his. It's like you have, you have said, hey, why don't you feel at home? Like, just make yourself at home. And then actually letting him do that. Like, you walk in and he's moved some furniture around. Right? You've walked in and he has cleared out your pantry of the kids' cereal that is all sugar and given you some healthy things to digest. He's taken some books off the shelf that aren't helping you, right? And putting some new ones on and then scheduling you a reading time because you actually have to read them. He's doing certain, and it's not all bad. He's also scheduled a grill out so people can come over and hang out because he built you to live in community and he wants you to get around others and go to a dinner party. Because you find Jesus there just like you do here. He, he begins to rearrange your life. In fact, Romans 12.2 says it kind of like this. We don't always read it like this, but if you throw Romans 12.2 up on the screen, we, we have this idea that, that we don't always know what, what God is trying to do in our lives. Let's read Romans 2. Do we have that on the thing? Let's throw that up there real quick. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern. I love this part. If you don't think God's good, just read this part. Discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect. Like if someone came to you and was selling you a, a car or a house and they said, man, it's good. Yeah, yeah, you'll be totally pleased with it. And it is perfect. Like how many of you go, well, you are just trying to rule my life and make me feel bad about myself. No, 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 you'd go, no, that sounds good. Good, pleasing, and perfect. I, I feel like I want that trifecta on everything in my world, right? Good, pleasing, and perfect. Now, this word renewing, if you really got into this word, what you find out is it's the same idea of renovation. And renovation is not completely destroying everything. The idea of renovation is to take away the things that shouldn't be there, to add in the things that have never been there, and to move the things around that have been there that are good that God needs to continue to multiply in your life. And when we talk about letting God dwell in our lives richly, what we're talking about is he gets to move in, take some things out that never looked good in the first place, Right? Move some things in that you never knew you needed and begin to move some things around in the place so that you could get around it and live a life that God had called you to live. Let God dwell richly to make a home. And this word richly, it's an interesting word. It's from the same key word that, that, that speaks to... Oh, let, me, let me look at my notes. I don't want to say this word wrong because then someone's going to look it up and you're going to make fun of me even though you didn't know the word before I said anything about it anyways. <laughs> Plutocrat. There we go. You guys good? That's a word you just don't remember. It's a word you got to kind of go to your notes for. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing with that word. The idea of that word is it's, that is someone who derives power from wealth. That's the word richly that we're reading about in Colossians. Someone who derives power from wealth. In other words, the power that you have in your faith is a derivative of, okay, the richness of the message you've allowed to reside in your life. 
And so you can get over here and you can try to do all the power things and all that, and you can shout and you can do all this stuff, but if you don't allow the message of the Messiah to dwell in your world, to dwell in you, to go back to it, to, to, to chew on it, to meditate on it, to allow it to be something that is nourishing to you, is something that actually gives you life, then you will miss out on the things God wants to move into in your life. Yes. And you'll be frustrated and discouraged because it all comes from that place. If you would let the message of the Messiah dwell richly in you then you would begin to see these things happen in your world. He should make his home in your life. And so often we get some of those things mixed up, but we, 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 we get so caught up in so many other things. We, we get so caught up in all the different things that come at us. And so there's, there's kind of two different ways we go at this. There's kind of two different um, Two different places we get stuck is one, uh, we end up uh, with one thing fully taking over our lives, but it's the wrong thing. Anybody ever get a little bit consumed with one thing and just you can't get it off your mind no matter what you're doing in that day or that week or that month? It just is nonstop in your mind, in your heart, and it's full. It is dwelling richly in your mind. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But I, but I think actually more often than not, I think those days happen, but I think more often than not where we end up is um, we end up with a scarcity of things, but a lot of them. We, we end up with, with a lot of a little. We end up with a lot of things, but not very much of any of them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So Monday, we're thinking about this thing, and then Tuesday, we're thinking about this thing, and then Wednesday, we're thinking about this thing, and then Thursday, we're thinking about this thing, and our life is all over the place because we are, we are getting a lot of things, but not very much of any of them. And so none of them are able to actually direct or coordinate our life. None of them are actually renewing or renovating our life. We are kind of stuck in a place where we are, we are just a lot of different things at a very small amount. So not richly, but scarcely. Living in our world. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we kind of end up in a place where we're distracted. We end up in a place uh, where we have a lot of different things going on. But the Bible tells us to let Christ, the message of the Bible, dwell richly in us. Now what I think is interesting about this verse is that it's very similar to another verse out of Ephesians. But the difference is pretty significant. It's very, very similar, but actually pretty different as well. I want to read out of Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read this together. And don't get drunk with wine. There you go. That's good. Everybody get that? Okay, cool. All right, we're good. All right. Which leads to reckless actions, but be filled by what? The Spirit. Okay. Now I want you to notice the other things that happen after that statement because we just read dwell richly so that you could admonish one another and sing spiritual songs right uh, now we're singing the spirit speaking to one another in psalms hymns and spiritual songs singing and making music from your heart to the lord right so we're seeing some of the same things giving thanks always for everything to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ submitting to one another in the fear of christ it is the same idea different cause until you begin to understand that the word and spirit work together 
that when you begin to elevate the message of the Messiah, the Holy Spirit goes to work. And when you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, he begins to elevate Christ in your world. And here it is, Pentecost Sunday, which if you don't know, that just means that 40, 50 days after Jesus rose and ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples, and they began to walk in power and began to do the things that God had called them to do. It's interesting to me that on a day we celebrate Pentecost, we just happen to be in Colossians 3 that sounds a lot like Ephesians 5, which is basically saying the word, let the the word, the message of the Messiah dwell richly in you and let the Holy Spirit dwell richly in you because when you do, you will be able to give wisdom to one another, you will stay thankful and you will begin to sing and you will begin to have a song in your life. I don't know if you know this, but the Christian movement is one that has always had both a word to give and a song to sing. There's just something different about a song than a word. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's why you can be watching a movie, and until they click that switch on the soundtrack, you don't cry. And the moment that music comes on, it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Did you see how they said like words that don't even really mean much, but that music, you know what I'm talking about. There's something about... The song, the music, there's something about that that begins to like stir your heart and you're going, oh my goodness. The words matter. The the spirit of God matters. Those things matter and they should move from a place where we are admonishing each other and giving wisdom to one another and staying thankful. They move to a place where we're actually, we've got a bit of a song and celebration in our heart. Uh, we, we love to put songs to everything in our country. We, man, whether you go to a certain college that you sing a particular song, whether, I mean, gosh, when we, when we start a baseball game or a football game, we, we, we pledge allegiance. Some places you might, you might sing a song. Or you, the 4th of July, we got, I'm proud to be an American. Well, we could just say that. We could just say that. But for some reason, we got to sing it. And y'all know, every time it comes on, you can resist for the first stanza. But then it's like, Proud to be American. You just got to sing it. There's something that happens. And here's Paul. And it's a weird, I think it's an interesting thing to put in the scripture to kind of, it's one thing to go, man, we should admonish one another. When you let the, the, the spirit of God, when you let the word of God dwell richly in you, when you let those things happen, man, you begin to, you begin to admonish one another, encourage one another, you begin, to, you begin to give wisdom to one another, you have advice for one another, you, you really are just kind of allowing those things to come out of your life, but you also, you also sing a little bit. Some of you are like, man, I don't have a good voice, that's okay, that's all right. Just trust the Spirit of God to work on you. Maybe, I, man, I don't know the words. Okay, just sing what you got. Man, I, I don't know if you know this. I know maybe you see me up here and I get a little into it. But I'm the same dude in the car on the way home. In fact, Meredith and I celebrated our 12-year anniversary last, yesterday. Primarily last night, though. Yeah, yeah. I was waiting for the clap. And on the way home, we put on some worship music. And uh, my man, Travis Green, if you don't know, you need to know. And I was, I just, I was singing. And I looked at Mary and I go, I wonder if people know that I'm just as crazy in the car. Or when we wake up in the morning as I am when I'm at church on a Sunday morning. And I, let me just be honest with you. I hope you are too. 
Like, I hope this isn't the only place where you lift your hands. I hope this isn't the only place where you sing out of the abundance of your heart. I hope this isn't the only place you sing out of the despair in your life. God, I know I'm in a tough place, but I worship you. God, I, I, man, you are, you are greater. If I can let you dwell richly in my life, and it's an interesting word, let. It's almost as though you have a decision to make. It's almost as though you've got to stand at the edge of that thing and you've got Jesus and the Holy Spirit and maybe some friends that he gave you to walk you through and you've just got to trust them to lean in. It's almost as though you don't put Jesus on a rental agreement and say that in six months we will come back and review this. It's almost as though you give him the keys to the house and say whenever you want, whatever you want, however you want, I'm with you. You're going to make this house better than me. You're going to make it larger than I will. You will do more with it. You will welcome more people. Come on, be honest. You will, you will allow more people into this house. You will throw more parties than I do. You, you, you will, like, I, you're going to do things that I would never do. And I'm going to need that love and the joy and the peace and the patience that you talk about. And I'm going to need that overflowing life. And I'm going to need some victory at times. And, and I'd much rather you just live here than just come, you know, every once in a while for three days at a time or six weeks at a time or six months at a time. Everybody know what I'm talking about, right? You know this is an illustration, right? Like, you know what we're talking Let him dwell richly in your life you have the opportunity it is not about whether or not he wants to it is not about whether or not he wants to be a part of your world and renovate and renew your mind and show you the good and pleasing and perfect will of God it is not about his desire it is about your willingness to put on and let him and it's because of him that things shift and change and they move from a place of wisdom and admonishment to a place of singing and songs to where you are saying what a powerful name it is the name of Jesus. Man God, you have more power. You are beautiful, you are wonderful. There is no rival, there is no other name, there is no other there is no other thing, there is no one greater. Man, it is so good. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful it moves from a place of going, man, I can't just talk about this anymore. I'm going to make up a theme song for my life. Man, I don't care, fellas, if you're like, I'm not the singing type. I know that's not true. You just don't let ever let anybody see it. I drove next to you. I saw you. In fact, I saw a guy in one of the biggest trucks I've ever seen dancing in his car the other day. In fact, he was letting go of the steering wheel, which worried me a little bit, so he could do some dance moves. And I was going, buddy, like, first of all, grab the wheels. Secondly, those are terrible. And third, I want to put this on video and send it to your wife, because there is no chance you've ever let her see you do that. And I just think there's a point at which we have to move to a place where we let him dwell so richly in our lives that it moves from a place of private faith, snowflake faith, where we move to a place of going, man, I'm going to get a part of this snowfall and make a difference in my life. And it moves to a word for my friends and a song in my heart and a celebratory nature. And I'm going to start with joy because I let him dwell so richly in my life that there is nothing that can stand against me. I stand on the rock of Christ Jesus and no storm, no wave, no issue is going to come and knock this thing over because I built upon him and he dwells so richly in me. Oh, worship team to come on up. Come hang out with me. Because we're going to move this from a word to a song. And I don't want to just 
say it. There's something about a song you got to commit to. It's interesting because for many of us, we could say everything I'm talking about today. Yeah, I would have, hey, powerful name. Yeah, Jesus. Woo. Yeah, let him. Let him. Put on. Come on, dwell. Richly. It's a whole other thing. I just have noticed. It's easier to get people to say something than to sing something. And I don't, I'm not trying to tell you that, like, if you don't walk out of here singing and humming and all those kind of things, that you're, you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is we need to have a posture in our life that exalts and lifts up the name of Jesus in such a way that it cannot be contained. Because I think a song requires a level of commitment that we don't normally have when we just have to say it. Someone calls us and says, man, hey, I'm just having a tough time. You'll, you'll make it through. No, it needs to be more than that. I want the message of the Messiah to dwell so richly in me that I could admonish you and I could teach you and I can encourage you and then I can sing with no fear, no weirdness, no awkwardness and I can just go for it. It doesn't matter if I look good, sound good, any of those things because I'm so overcome by the goodness and the greatness of Jesus. The message of this Messiah, Jesus Christ, has set me so free that I'm not just going to have a word for it. I'm going to have a song for it. I'm not just going to have a, a private faith. I'm going to have a public one. I'm not just going to have a quiet faith. I'm going to have a loud one. I'm going to move from a place where I run this house and you get that spot in the couch and I'll let you have a few things. And while I've said to you, why don't you come make this your home? Why don't you just, come on, just, yeah, just feel right at home. Just do your thing. But I really, really mean it this time that he would come and dwell so richly in me as I lift up Jesus and the Holy Spirit gets to work that I become more and more like my creator. Amen? I mean, what does heaven look like? A bunch of angels singing to Jesus. Singing, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Why? Because, man, that, when you sing, it's coming from a different place. So I want you to stand with me and we're going to sing this song. And I know, I just, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. Whatever this looks like, whatever this feels like, maybe it puts you in a bit of an uncomfortable place. But I've, I've just found this to be true. Regardless of whether we're talking Jesus, faith, or whether we're just talking life, it is not until you get to the uncomfortable places that you find yourself in a place of growth and forward movement. It is not until you get uncomfortable under that bench press. It is not until you get uncomfortable with that new job title. It's not until you get uncomfortable with a new relationship that you discover there are places you need to grow. There are places you need to work in. There are places you need God to work through. There are places that stuff needs to change in. And so it's okay if you get uncomfortable because I'll tell you, that's right where God wants you. God wants you in a place where you haven't been before because you've allowed yourself to go, hey, no, come be right at home. Yeah, it's all good. But what he really wants to go, can you just give me the keys? Because I got to get some of this stuff out of here. I got to bring some new things in. I got a whole new wardrobe for you. And I need you to let, I need you to let, I need you to let me do it. I need you to let me do it. It's on you. I got a moving crew. I need you to let me renovate the place. 
and dwell richly in your life. So how powerful the name of Jesus is. How powerful he is. He has no rival. Come on, there is nothing that can defeat him. There is no one greater than him. Come on, let that message dwell richly in you. Come on, let's be people who sing with all that we are. Come on, I believe God's going to shift some things even now as we worship. Yeah, let's go. Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. Silence the boast of sin and rain. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. And you have no rival. And you have no equal. And now and forever, God, you reign. right now have been on a uh, we've been on an Airbnb rental agreement with Jesus we have allowed him access to certain things for at certain times and instead of having a rich message and a rich presence in our lives we've had a scarce message or, or, or a multiple message so many things to keep track of and it sounds like today in this place there are many of us who have a decision to make. Will we let him dwell richly? Because he is trying to make a home. And the truth is, one of the biggest, most important phrases in that verse is that to let him dwell richly among you. We are not making a decision just to Christ. We are making a decision to Christ with others. You are not alone here today. You are not by yourself. You are not the only one struggling with your faith. You are not the only one that feels like, well, man, I really screwed this up. You are not the only one who feels like, man, I just have a little bit, not a lot. That I just, I don't have the richness. You're not the only one. But you might be one of the only ones who's willing to say, you know what? That's where I am. And I'm going to let Jesus take over. I'm, I'm tired of having him dwell sparsely or just a little bit. I want him to dwell richly in my life. I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him 
If that's you today, with all the boldness and courage it takes to admit something, but with the confidence to know that you are among people who want you to live the life God created for you to live and want you to have the home, to have the life that is rich in the message of the Messiah and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Some of us today are hung up on the let. Today, you have a decision, an opportunity to fully lean into it. So if that's you today, you go, you know what? I'm going to let God in. I'm going to let him dwell richly. I'm going to let him move in. I'm going to let him move in fully, completely, give him the keys and say, do whatever, whenever, however, because I believe it's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. And I surrender all my past, all my failures, all my successes, and I put them in your hands, and I allow you to do with them what you will, knowing that you only have the best in mind for me. If that's you today and you say, you know what, I need to let him dwell richly. I've let him dwell kind of, and I've let him dwell sort of, and I've let him dwell sometimes but I'm going to let him dwell richly and always. If that's you today, would you just right now with all the boldness and courage you got, lift your hands to heaven. I want to pray with you. Anybody here? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Lift your hands high. I want to make sure I see you. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm going to give just, uh, just one more second. If you already raised your hand, you can put it down. Anybody else? Just lift your hand up real quick. Thank you so much. Fantastic. It's incredible. Oh, God's with you. See how you're doing this among others. There are others feeling the same way. And there are others who've been there. And there are others who are going to work with you. And there are others who need you to work with them. Come on. Anybody else real quick, and I'm going to pray. Anybody else, just real quick, raise your hand. So good. So good. Come on, everybody in the church, lift your hands to heaven. God, we pray right now. Lord, every life, every person who just now said, I want to let Jesus dwell richly in my life. God, there's some things to do to figure some of that out, maybe. Maybe we got to ask some questions. Maybe we need to get with some people who've been there. But maybe more than anything, we just have to let go of all the things we're trying to control, all the things we're trying to make right, and instead of doing it in our own power, letting you do it. And instead of it being because of us, let it be because of you that we become like you. God, let us trust you, put our eyes on you. And God, we do not have to do stuff. We need to focus our eyes on someone and allow that to shape what we do, who we are, where we go, when we go. I pray that every sin, every, but not just sin, all the frustrations, all the hurts, all the, 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 the discouragements, God, would be gone. The old things would pass away. Behold, all things would become new. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Dwell richly in me. Holy Spirit, confirm it. Multiply it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, would you give God a shout? Hey, so good. Come on, it's awesome. Hey, some of you just made an incredible decision, and we are, we're just so proud of you. And it can be easy to kind of go, okay, so now i got to go figure it out. No, your first step should be towards someone. Your first step should be, hey, I need to talk to you. And it may not be the person with all the answers. Because the truth is, there is that the person doesn't exist. You just need someone to simply walk with you as you keep your eyes on Christ. Right? If someone comes to you and goes, well, I've got everything for you, don't trust them. Okay? I mean, you got some people who have wisdom and discernment. Grab those people. But 
And so what I want to challenge you to do is, uh, if you made that decision today, we've got a book for you. It just says following Jesus. It's like 50 pages long. It's, it's easy. It's one of those easy ones, right? And it just walks you through, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What are the easy steps? What are the things I should be doing? Not with any kind of pressure or condemnation, but just like, hey, the grace of God makes room for you to walk with him. So step into this. If that's you, I would love for you to meet us back there at the This Is Home area and grab that book. Let us know what you decided today, and we're going to fight with you, fight for you. Amen? Hey, next Sunday after church, next Sunday after church, we're heading just down the road on University to the Clear Fork Food Park, and we're going to hang out. Your kids can come. It's outdoors. People can run around uh, right by the, Trinity, the river. It's going to be a blast, so make sure you do that next Sunday right after church. Otherwise, we love you. Have a fantastic Sunday. Enjoy. Meet somebody. Take them to lunch. We'll talk to you soon.